imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Leadership Global. We are so glad that all of you have been able to carve out a little time in your day to listen to this week's podcast. And I have to say, we have such a treat for you. This week, we have no other than Jody Flynn herself. She is the founder and CEO of Women Taking the Lead, and she is just chocked full of incredible wisdom, guidance, and advice. And I can't wait to dive into the conversation with Jody today, where we will be uniquely speaking about the secrets of success as you strive for new levels of leadership in your career. You know, your awareness of the different levels of leadership and what's required at each level will actually affect your ability to be successful as you ascend in your career and as you continue to be promoted. And many executives are actually unaware of how they need to shift their leadership as they rise through the ranks. As you ascend to become a leader who is managing, motivating, and inspiring other leaders multiple teams or managing people leaders, your mindset and your skill sets need to evolve. At this level of leadership, you're dealing with entirely different dynamics, functions, goals, and motivations, and you need to be able to be adaptable in order to meet and support them all. This level of leadership requires a greater ability to be organized and to communicate well, along with polished executive presence and a greater ability to influence others. In addition, your listening skills and your ability to be self-aware as a leader are absolutely key areas of expertise that you need to cultivate at this specific level of leadership. And I got to tell you, not a lot of leaders are given that insight. They are not aware that skills like being able to listen well, being able to be self-aware are key to their ability to be successful. And that's why we're so excited to welcome Jody Flynn, founder and CEO of Women Taking the Lead, as she discusses the skills and mindsets that you need to incorporate in your leadership style if you want to be successful. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Jody. She is unbelievable. She's an executive leadership coach, a workshop facilitator, a speaker, author, and even a podcaster. I don't know how she fits it all in, honestly. Currently, Jody serves as the president and the board of directors for the Maine Women's Conference. Companies hire Jody to partner with their women leaders to develop the mindset and skills needed to thrive in senior leadership positions. Jody provides one-on-one -on -one coaching and customized workshops for clients literally all across the nation in every single industry and sector. Jody provides training in a workshop format to help leaders develop skills such as time and stress management, setting and achieving goals, and much, much more. So I am just so thrilled to welcome you, Jody. Thank you for being here. 
Linda, I'm I'm honored. This is a pleasure to be a part of Leadership Global and to be on this podcast. As you can tell from everything you've said about me and shared, and thank you for that, by the way. That was wonderful. Um, I get jazzed about helping women really thrive in leadership. I think we are all leaders and women tend to struggle with that identity, but I'm here to help them change that. I love that, Judy. Thanks so much. So let's dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your journey and what has led you to have such passion around helping women with issues associated with leadership. Well, my background is in psychology, um, and I was actually working towards being a counseling psychologist, but realized that and was told that the training I was receiving, I was really only going to be able to do social work unless I went on to do my PhD. And at that point in my life, I was feeling kind of done with school, but I didn't want to do social work. So I'm like, okay, let me figure this out. And so I just took an entry level position in mutual fund operations to, you know, earn a paycheck to pay my bills while I was thinking about, okay, what's my next move going to be? And it was never a job I envisioned when I, you know, went to college, but it was a job I thrived in. And I really flourished in because, um, you know, I had grew up with such a strong work ethic. So even though it wasn't an industry I was familiar with, I was like, all right, how do I, you know, tackle this? How do I learn as quickly as possible? Um, I've always been taught if your name's going on something, make sure it's good, you know, and I come from a big family. So I had an ability to get along with different personality types, people of different ages, different backgrounds. And I was promoted quickly in my early career. I was promoted five times within six years. And some of them I was ready for. I was just like, yep, this is the next thing. And sometimes it was like, okay, we have an opening. You're the next best person we've got. So here you go. And it was a baptism by fire, right? It was really trying to figure it out as I was on the job. Like it was almost like a self-training. Like I have to figure this out. I was getting support, but wasn't always like fully prepared for what was coming at me. And so I learned a lot. I learned a lot just from experience, the good and the bad. And when I started my coaching business, so to bring it full circle, I did get back to that area of like working in psychology, but it turned out to be coaching. That was the perfect fit for me. And when I started my business, I was doing some subcontracting for an organizational development company, leading workshops for uh, frontline people leaders. So these were people who had either just recently been promoted to a supervisory position for the first time or they were about to be promoted into that position. And one of the first exercises we did on day one was, you know, you you give an introduction for yourself, kind of like we did, like your name, your title, your company. And one of the questions they had to answer was, what brought you to this workshop? Like, why are you here? And the men would an- have answers like, because I'm going to be the CEO one day or, you know, because, you know, I'm a leader and this is to give me leadership skills. And generically, the women would say things like, oh, well, it was my turn. I was the next one up or my boss told me I should be here, which was so baffling to me at first. Like they didn't own that they belonged there. 
right? That it was a natural fit for them, like the men seem to. But luckily, you know, it, they were workshops that happened every three weeks over the course of five or six months. And so by the third or fourth session, the women would say, you know what? I know why I'm here. I know why I was chosen. I am the right person for this. And I was like, oh, sigh of relief. But that initial like gut wrenching feeling, like why can't women own it? their power and their leadership, that that they're so smart and talented and capable that, of course, somebody wants them to take on this leadership role and thinks they'll be great at it. And the workshop was just additional support. And I really, and at that time in my business, I was coaching women and men. And slowly over the next few years, I just found myself more and more being like, I need to focus on women. Like there, there is a personal mission here for me. And it was, it was around the five-year mark in my business that I started my podcast called Women Taking the Lead. And it got such a reaction, gave me such joy that I decided to change my business name to Women Taking the Lead. So not everybody knows that. When I started my business, it was not called Women Taking the Lead, but it has evolved to Women Taking the Lead. And, you know, that, and just living out that mission. And that was five, over five years ago, almost six years ago, actually led me to leading you, Linda, and having you on the podcast and, you know, meeting other like-minded women who are also trying to pave the way to help other women step up and be leaders. I'm, I feel like I'm living the dream. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I know the women that you're impacting and uh, you are transforming lives. One of the things that we talked about at the top of the hour is that greater communication, clear uh, expectation setting, and excellent organization skills are absolute keys to success when you're leading leaders. But you know, since the pandemic, leaders are often working with remote employees. So the options may be a little bit more limited to um, ensure that there's clear uh, setting of expectations, there's clear organization, there's greater communication. So how can leaders use video conference calls or other kinds of tools to create personal connections and a real sense of a team environment? You know, you've been able to create incredibly intimate relationships with the women that you're coaching. How can you translate some of those skills to create a greater sense of connection and a greater sense of team in a remote workforce. I love this, Linda, because the answer really is in the connection. It always comes back to the relationship first, right? Before you can lead somebody, there has to be a rapport. There has to be trust, you know? So how do you build that virtually? And I think we need to not overcomplicate it. Yes, it's different. Nothing beats that that in-person personal connection, but there are ways to create that even if you are virtual and it doesn't all have to be video, but I will start with video because that's obviously that, that if you can see somebody's face and their body language, their tones, their expressions, you know, like the little quirks that they have, it gives you so much information. And I would say, you know, on the individual level, be sure if you're leading people, be sure you're making time for them, you know, to have like even like 10, 15 minute check-ins, you know, let go of the notion that meetings have to be an hour long. 
or even a half an hour long. They could be 10 minutes once a week to just say, Hey, how are things going? How can I support you? You know, and that helps the communication, you know, um, you know, oftentimes we're focused on, you know, how am I saying this? And am I giving people enough communication? And we don't focus on how are people receiving this? And do they feel open to communicate back to us? And when it comes to teams, you know, do icebreakers, right? Take time in a meeting that the team can get to know one another, you know, have opportunities for people to answer fun questions. You know, it doesn't have to all be work, 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 work. We actually work better if we know our teammates as people and not just as contributors, you know, so if I'm relating to the guy in IT as the guy in IT, you know, Bob, the guy in IT, it's going to be really hard to work with him. But if I know Bob as like the family man who loves to play soccer and he plays poker with his friends virtually on Friday nights and his mom is in Florida and they go to visit, like all of a sudden it's so much easier to ask favors of him or to offer my support of him. And then in terms of like, you know, take it out of the workspace and doing, you know, team bonding experiences. There's a lot you can do online right now. I've been hearing about cookie decorating classes online, wine tastings online, playing pick. My family did Pictionary for a Christmas family Zoom call. It was incredibly fun. You know, so there, there are different ways. We just have to be creative and we can crowdsource ideas. You know, if you're on a platform, as even LinkedIn, you can ask the question on LinkedIn, what ways are you doing team building with your team? I bet a ton, you'll get a ton of ideas from people who you may not even interact with that much on how to keep that connection alive and keep your team feeling, you know, close and connected to one another. I love that. Those are all such great tips, Jody. Thank you. Thank you know, you. let's dive into the practice of setting expectations for a minute. We just talked about how the practice of clearly and very crisply setting expectations is one of the skills that leaders need to really hone to ensure that as they're leading leaders, they can be really successful. It seems that the more explicit the expectations are, the better. And more often than not, people tend to disappoint us because they had a different understanding of what was expected than perhaps we did. And that's where the disappointment sets in. We think we've been really clear and yet they haven't delivered on what we expected. But what we find is that there was a breakdown in communication. So how do you recommend that leaders clearly design and communicate expectations that help ensure that their teams can be successful and that they can deliver what's expected? Well, first I would say setting expectations is an ongoing process. You're never done. There's always ways to improve, you know, how you're setting expectations, how you're communicating expectations and how you're holding people accountable to those expectations. So I would say, first of all, come from mindset, right? Perspective and attitude come from a place of everybody's doing their best right? And however they're showing up, this is the best they have right now. And if they're not performing, something's going on. You know, there's a possibility that, like you said, they had a different idea of what was expected. They didn't understand 
the instructions or there there's something going on with them and they're not feeling particularly motivated, right? All those things have different solutions. So, and I say with leaders, start with where people are not meeting your expectations and investigate that. What's going on? Were your expectations not clear? Did you not communicate well? Um, and what did they understand from what you said? Like, you know, ask if, like, if somebody's not meeting your expectation, ask them what they thought the expectation was, you know, and I'll, you, and I often say with leaders, like, you know, be explicit. Like you use that word explicit. Like I need you to deliver X on Thursday. And if you cannot deliver X by Thursday, I need to know on Wednesday. And you need to tell me either via email, text, phone call, in person, right? There's all those components. There's what you want from them, when you want that that thing from them, and then how do they communicate if they can't deliver or it's ahead of time? Because that that's usually all of those components, usually something's missing if someone didn't meet our expectation. And I have clients who sometimes send me an email, you know, saying, here's a draft of what I'm going to send my team. Can you review it? And, you know, let me know if this is clear. And it'll be things like not being direct. You know, I think sometimes people are afraid to say, this is what I need from you. I expect it on this date. Usually I find the biggest culprit of people not meeting our expectations if is we didn't give someone a buy when, you know, buy when do I want this? You know, I have a client who, you know, she, she's got this nice flow. There's this family feeling among her team, which is wonderful. It, it's warm, it's loving, but she'll say things in a meeting, like, I want your goals. Like, so, you know, over the next week, think of, think about what goals you want to set for the next year. And then I'll be talking to her a week later. And she's like, nobody's giving me their goals and did it. And I will say, what did you tell them? And she repeated it back to me. And I said, you didn't tell them to give you their goals. You told them to think about their goals. They probably met your expectation. They probably have been thinking about it. And she's like, do I really have to say, right? This is an honest question from leaders. Do I really have to say, give me your goals once you have them, write them down and send them to me and get them to me by Wednesday? I said, yes. And the thing is, is the more explicit we are and people know how to deliver, the like the better it is because they don't feel stressed. Like there's no ambiguity. It, they're very clear on how they can deliver. And this is the thing. Everybody wants to do a good job. So tell them how to do a good job for you because they want that. I, I had a boss one time who, you know, I kept asking like, what are the priorities? Like, what do you need from me? And, you know, he was just like, oh, you know, you're doing great, whatever. And I was like, how can I improve? He's like, oh, you're doing a great job. I was so stressed all the time because I didn't know if I was truly performing, overperforming, underperforming. So the more clear we are about what we want, what we need from other people and be explicit in that, it's a win-win for everybody. Oh, that's such great advice. And I know that in my career, I have learned that lesson over and over again, that the clearer you can make your instructions, 
the clearer you can make your expectations, the happier your team is because they know then how to not only meet your expectations, but how to exceed them. Because most ambitious, driven, success-oriented people want to overachieve. And the best way that you can allow them to overachieve is being clear about what success looks like. So I love that. Now, when you're a leader who is managing, motivating, or inspiring other leaders, um, multiple teams, or maybe managing people leaders, you also need to have more sort of global awareness. You need to be able to solve problems that not only impact the area that you're responsible for, but also other areas of the organization as well. So how can leaders create efficiencies and help solve problems across the organization without necessarily overstepping boundaries or offending their peers, but have that kind of global awareness of issues or problems or inefficiencies that may be impacting their department or impacting their work that they can be a part of solving? Mm. Great question, Linda. And I got really excited as you were asking it because it it goes back again to building relationships, right? When I um, became the assistant vice president, that was a hard transition for me because I went from managing several departments to like managing like a division, you know, and it was... I went from being someone who could like jump in and help do the work, right? I wasn't always doing it, but I could easily spend half my day jumping in and diving in and, and moving widgets and that sort of thing. And it made me, you know, made my, you know, type A heart feel productive and could check off that to-do list. And then when I achieved that level of assistant vice president, my boss was just kind of laughing at me because she was like, stop diving in, stop doing the work. You need to hang back. You have a team that can do their job. And I was like, I know they can do their job, but I just want to help. And da, da, da. she's like, that's not your job anymore. And I was like, well, what is my job? She's like, you need to start getting to know the other people around the building. I'm like, so you want me to spend half my day, like walking around, talking to people. And she was like, when you put it that way, yes. She's like, but here's the thing. And we had a really good conversation. She's like, you're going to need them someday and they're going to need you someday. You need to build those relationships. So it's easier to pick up the phone when that happens and you will be more likely to contribute help and they will be more likely to contribute help help to you if there's a relationship there and you like one another. Right. So there may be problems going on around the company that you or your department could help solve. But sometimes if there's no relationship there, there's no trust. They're not going to want your help. They're not going to let you in as easily or they're going to like only let you in so much. Right. How many of us have had that feeling of like, I can I could help. Let me help you. But they don't want it because you're not on in their inner circle yet. They will accept help from people they like and they know and they trust. So I say, you know, having that global awareness of what's going on in the company starts with just talking to the people being, you know, and I, and I would say, especially in this time right now where we're virtual, just reaching out and saying, Hey, 
you want to like, I want to find out ways that I can be of support to you and hear what's going on on your side of the world. Can we take like 15 minutes just to chat and catch up and, you know, see if there's anything I can do to support you, even if they're busy, right? And the meeting can't happen for another week or two, you'll still get on their calendar. And if honestly, if they're that busy, they probably do need help. (laughs) So, you know, just just extending the olive branch and saying, Hey, do you, you know, do you, and if someone did that to me, like I was in my world and my swirl and just trying to get it done. And, you know, somebody from another division reached out and said, I'm really curious about what you and your team do. And I'd like to see if there's anything we can do to support you. You know, 15 minutes, I would be like, sure. Even if I didn't think much was going to come of it, I'd be like, sure, let's explore it. And just you know, worst case scenario, we just have a nice conversation for 15 minutes and I get to know a colleague a little bit better. Yeah. I love that. And I will say that actually took me some time to recognize that as I began to move up into senior vice president, executive vice president, even the C-suite, it was less about my competency in my job. And it was more of the confidence that I was bringing to the position, my executive level presence and my relationship building skills. So uh, to me, that was a real aha moment when I had that recognition. And Jody, I will only say that I wish I'd had a coach like you to bring that awareness to me earlier. You know, as you begin to lead other leaders, your time is, as you said, simply going to be spent differently. You'll spend more time reading. You'll have uh, more pre-meeting discussions to prepare for meetings. You'll spend more time in meetings making decisions. You'll spend more time following up on the commitments that you or others made during the meeting. And you'll spend a lot more time building relationships. So how can you create an environment where everyone feels comfortable sharing their ideas while also knowing when it's time to rein in the dominant personality in the meeting or shift the conversation to the next topic, all while leaving people feeling heard and valued and respected in that point of collaboration. It's a merry dance, isn't it? (laughs) Running a productive meeting while making everyone feel appreciated, heard, and respected. And I will say, Don't expect to be good at this right away. This is a skill that you build over time and it comes as you gain experience, as you do it incorrectly, right? And you, you land in these minefields, right? Where after a meeting, somebody says like, I'm really upset that you cut me off. I didn't feel like I had a chance to talk or that meeting wasn't very productive for me because you let so-and-so dominate the meeting and we didn't get our agenda done what's going on right when you're called out in those ways take a breath it's feedback and it will make you a better leader at it over time right nobody's excellent at running a meeting you know in the first few years even few years of doing it so part of it is just gaining experience, you know, you get to know your people, you know, who likes to talk, you know, who you have to ask for information from, you know, making sure like you, you said, Linda, like, 
part of the piece is like preparing for the meeting ahead of time, give your people all the information and the pre-reading that they'll need so that they're ready to have a discussion. You know, they, they've gone through it and they may even have a chance to get some of their questions answered ahead of the meeting so that during the meeting, we can have a good discussion, iron out the wrinkles and then start making decisions, you know, and, you know, setting expectations, right? It really comes back to that. Like, here's the agenda. We're going to start the meeting on time. You know, I, I usually will say in the email, like, we have a lot on the agenda this meeting. So we are starting the meeting exactly on time. You know, we're not going to be repeating what happened earlier. I'm going to ask everyone to make their answers concise and thoughtful and give everyone a turn to talk. And I'll even say, as we're having a discussion, like, okay, that's great. You know, um, these three people, we haven't heard from you yet. I'm going to be calling on you in a minute, but in the meantime, I'm going to have this person who raised their hand go first, you know, cause some of those people might be introverts and they need a warning <laughs> that they're, right. that they're going to be talking all of a sudden, you know, and if there's someone who really dominates a meeting, I may even have a meeting with them outside of the meeting, you know, to talk to them, to appreciate what they contribute. Because usually when somebody's dominating the conversation, they feel really passionate about what we're doing and where we're going, you know? So I'll talk to them about like, I want to make sure everyone's heard. Like, I love how passionate you are about this. And I know you're really, you know, you want us to go in a certain direction and we need to make sure everyone has an opportunity to share their vision because you never know, they may have an idea you haven't thought of yet, you know, that could make this even more successful or even easier to accomplish, right? So making sure that person is on your that side. And on the flip side, you may even have a meeting with the people who tend to be quiet to be like, Hey, I, you know, I've noticed you're holding back what's going on. There may be something going on for that person where they feel intimidated by somebody in the meeting, or, you know, they'll, they may even say, you know, mea culpa, I didn't have an opportunity to read through all the material and I knew I couldn't engage with everyone on the same level, you know, so finding out, you never know, there's a hundred different reasons why someone might not be stepping up and offering their opinion. So checking in with your team, but also again, making sure everyone's clear. This is how we run our meetings. This is what I'm expecting from everybody. And I've even had meetings where I'm like, this agenda is so tight that I'm going to ask everyone to put their answers in the chat. Because once somebody gets the, you know, people who process verbally, once they get the platform and they, they don't know how to like, <laughs> we've all experienced that. Like, and I know it's happened to me before too. We start talking, we don't know how to bring it to a close. So we keep talking and we keep talking and we keep talking, hoping we can think of a, a, a concise way to bring it, you know, to a close. So it kind of takes that out of the mix. So being creative with how you conduct meetings and how you let people express themselves in meetings so that everyone's getting their needs met. Yeah, really well said. Thank you so much, Jody. I really appreciate your insight. And I will say for me, again, as I rose through the ranks in my own career, I found that the pre-meeting was perhaps sometimes more important than the actual meeting itself. And the meetings that I had after that key point of collaboration, that key meeting, was equally important, ensuring that people were clear about next steps and their roles and their responsibilities and the timing and the action plan and the project plan 
after the meeting, but sometimes just as important as the collaboration that happened inside the meeting. So I so appreciate you bringing um, the pre-meeting dynamic and the post-meeting dynamic into the conversation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You have covered so much incredible, rich, and I think valuable content with us already that I feel a little greedy here. But to bring our conversation to the close, I'm going to wrap it up with one final question. Jody. what is the best leadership advice that you've ever received? I know that you provide a lot of incredibly valuable, impactful guidance for other leaders, but what's the very best leadership advice that you've received that you want to share with our listeners? Mm -hmm. I alluded to it earlier. It was the conversation I had with my boss when I had gotten promoted and misunderstood what my role was at that point. And what came out of that conversation was get to know your people, not just your team. They are not just your people, like the whole company. These are your people. Get to know them, you know, take ownership in the company like it's your own. These are all your people. And the easiest way to do that is to come from a place of curiosity. Be really curious when you have conversations with the people around you and you will listen better and you will ask more thoughtful questions. I love that. Come from a place of curiosity. I swear that is going on a sticky note right next to my computer. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jody. What a simple but powerful way of summarizing, I think, what is perhaps the most important attitude that we can have as leaders, and that is to be a lifetime learner and to have an attitude of curiosity. So that's just brilliant. Thank you so much. And Jody, thank you so much for your time today. What a pleasure to have you on the Lead Hership Global Podcast. We are so grateful. Thank you for inviting me, Linda. This has been so much fun. Thank you for joining Lead Hership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.